1: Hello and welcome to Monday's episode of the Tennis Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host. You've not heard from me in a while. Let me refresh your memory. I'm Craig Fowler. And on this show, I am joined by Craig Anderson. Hello, how are you doing? And Tom Watt. Hello, how are we doing? I'm good, I'm good. Guys, how are you? Craig, how are you getting on? Are you are you over yet the supreme disappointment, frustration, anguish any other words you want to throw out there of the terrace team at the annual RBS football quiz, finishing second by
0: half a point? It, it was uh, it was certainly quite disappointing. I, I was saying to you that I had to shoot back through to Glasgow immediately, basically, after we answered the last question and we were five points behind going into the last round. So I kind of assumed we didn't have much chance anyway. And, I, and then when I, when Tony messaged me when I was in a taxi on the way to Haymarket to say um, we'd lost by half a point, and I was just like thinking through all the... The answers that you maybe you know changed at the last minute, um, and and certainly it's hard because we changed some at the last minute. that were right; it's like we got them right as a result. So it was that balance. But yeah, I was costing um, costing a particular couple of questions, but it was a really good event, and um, I think quite a bit of money raised. So we'll hopefully go back and we can hopefully win it next year. Yeah,
1: and, and hopefully we, I can attend next year because I was supposed to be a part of the team, but I had to pull out because I caught COVID last week.
0: It was a, a, it time.
1: was
2: inconvenient, How retro timing, Craig. <laughs> very 2021 of you
1: and it was fucking it was bad as well like I mean it, to be fair it only lasted 24 hours um, really like I started I, had, I woke up on it was weird because it was the exact same as last time exact same I kind of actually knew like I could just feel it in my throat like a really kind of dry kind of slightly gunky throat and then it kind of started to get a cough and I was like hang on I know this and so when I took the test I saw some lateral flows and I took the test I just, I just assumed it was going to come up positive, and it did. And then, so I had to pull out of a view for the terrace. And then, I, yeah, I had to pull out of this quiz. But it was there was one day. So basically, not long after I'd taken the test, it was kind of almost a placebo thing. I started to feel a bit kind of hot and bothered, like temperature coming on, my muscles starting to hurt. Oh, oh god! And then, yeah, once the meeting was finished, it was like. 24 hours where I felt hellish, absolutely hellish. And then it just kind of started to clear up. And then by the, the start of the next day, I was like, weird. Anyway,
0: Tom, short our, short COVID instead yeah, of one short, COVID. No, exactly,
2: short <laughs> COVID. Tom, how are you? you? You've not had COVID, have you? I, I have yet to touch wood have COVID at any point in the last four years or whatever. Ah, you been. Might so, be and maybe I am. Maybe it's like, yeah. Stay away from my blood. Every people, you can't have it. Um, No, so, yeah, so far so good. Uh, What have I been doing? I started and finished my golf career last week. It's the worst game in the world. And (laughs) golfers are pricks. So... (laughs) The, actually no you know what the game has its merits but golfers are absolute dicks and so i have no wish to play ever again um yeah there was it was this, the start and the end over the course of about 48 hours and not that I, not, not that there's any great loss to the world of golf but um i'd just like to place it on the record that uh golfers are dicks and tories <laughs> Bad Tories.
1: Dicks and bad Tories.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, worse I'm at, worse than Formula One fans. It's, it's you're, you're, really,
1: you're
0: really leaning into the kind of demographics here. You're going to, going to alienate or Tom, Tom, what's views are not the views of the Terry Scottish football podcast.
2: I mean, they are a bit. Mm. But <laughs> I
1: they I, I, I like the, like the fairly representative <laughs> there,
2: Craig. I mean, there, I'm sure there are golfers who are good people. I know there are golfers who are good people, but in my limited experience, the ones who I have uh, I have been on a golf course with are not good people. Manny and
1: Uncle are keen golfers, and they're nice.
2: Well, there you go. I'm happy to make an exception. I'm happy to make an exception for a number of people I know who I like and I know happen to play golf, but um, you're not going to have to bother with me on a on a green or a fairway anytime soon because the rest of your people like you have, have put me off. <laughs> let's start as we mean to go on, yeah let's let's alienate some people. How, how about
1: this? How about this for a really, really tenuous link? Speaking of people, Rangers lost the cup final at the weekend.
2: Way <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, they are the people that Celtic were the victors in the Viaplay Cup final at Hamden Park. Two goals to one, both goals coming from Kyogo with Alfredo Morelos grabbing the other. Guys, I have only seen one of the games we're going to cover this weekend, so I'm pretty much playing the role as host and just a bit host alone on this show. So you're going to have to guide me. I assume both of you watched the game. Craig, yep. what were your thoughts? Um the quality, I, th- I thought the quality
0: was particularly low for a lot of the game, to be quite honest. Um, the, There's been some that have been of a higher quality, but Celtic were very much the better team, I thought, right through scoring their two goals. And I thought this could get a bit ugly almost for Rangers because Rangers didn't turn up at all in the first half. And they were basically only saved by Celtic being quite, I say Celtic specifically, Dyson Maida being particularly poor on the ball. um. But after Rangers scored, they had that kind of that that kind of classic shift of momentum in the game. You started to wonder, but that probably was just you kind know, They they blew themselves out quite quickly, and then it was I would say reasonably comfortable. If anything, towards the end, it looked more likely. Celtic were going to score a third. They should have scored a third. I think Haksabanovic had even in the sort of five minutes, he was on the pitch had enough chances to uh, to win the game or seal the game more comfortably, but. Now, I Celtic undoubtedly deserved victors, even if the the manner in which they got to the final was obviously um, under a heavy cloud of um, refereeing conspiracy and corruption. But um, <laughs> the um, yeah, no, they they were they were thoroughly deserved winners um, in the game, and I thought Rangers like James Tavernier turning the kind of king of apologising after a bad performance. I don't think I've ever seen a footballer more in my life have to apologise in post match interviews um, more than Tavernier um and, and he was doing it again and, and quite rightly I thought Rangers were abject. He was particularly poor, but the whole defence played badly. Um the forward the forwards were, were the kind of only impressive part of the Rangers team are the only part that kind of did some stuff right because they had to change their whole midfield as well. He got that badly wrong with his team selection, I think. Um was I saying too much loyalty to the kind of Gerard era players almost, the ones yeah, from then?
1: Lundstrom, uh, Kamara, and Tillman all played. So Lundstrom and Tillman, big fitness doubts before the game, and that did not seem like it paid off. And again, like I said, I didn't watch the match, but I've heard that Glenn Kamara had a bit of a shocker. I, mean,
2: I think what, what was surprising for me is there's two, two things. Like, like, if you were to identify the area. Having watched just a handful of minutes of a Rangers game, you know they'll, they'll be dangerous out wide when Rand Kent gets the ball when there's overlaps, and that's largely where they had their danger, in 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 flashes. What you would not have expected, especially from what you would have assumed would have been learned from the the Old, old Firm game at um, at New Year, was. If you can, if, if the way that in the, in especially in the second half of that game, the way that um Rangers midfield pushed up and kept the pressure on it kept basically kept the ball, kept kept Celtic kind of fenced in, um, and kept the pressure on. in this, you know, as Craig said, the the midfield, especially Celtic ran over the top of them and could play through them, and the amount of time that like especially Callum McGregor was getting to pick passes and you know. Eat up ground, without without being challenged. You know, without there being uh, and then the amount of time that uh, you know there was a there was a simple overlap and a simple and and they break beyond the Rangers midfield seemed like a lesson that hadn't been learned from the game previously when when Rangers had been really good and were kind of kind of unlucky not to not to win and certainly in the second half did everything right they didn't, they didn't turn up. Uh, you know, they, they were lucky to, they got, they got their goal from, um, Morel's got their goal from a, from a set piece. They did have a couple of, there was a, Fashions Scala had a couple of chances, had one in particular where he opts to shoot from a really, really acute angle rather than just squaring the ball. But, you know, in the last five minutes on the break, when you think the, maybe Rangers are going to put a bit more Celtic under a bit more sustained pressure. There were four, like three-on-four breaks or two-on-one, two-v-one breaks where if anyone had, you know, if you'd ever played FIFA before, you just square it and you'd win the game. And that's you confidently uh, confidently. Do. So I think for what was alarming for me was both the ease in which the Celtic midfield kind of strolled the game, but also the fact that there didn't seem to have been any lessons learned from what looked like quite a positive, and rather than feeling from New Year where you know maybe the maybe there is, if not the gap is closing, maybe there's a sign that there's some progress being made. And you know Celtic have been phenomenal this season, but maybe there's some progress being made. It did feel a bit like you know a sign of how far how big the gap is between the two sides.
0: I think Rangers have played most of the games I've seen them very badly since Bill came in, but they've got away with it because with uh, probably with the exception of um, certainly that Celtic game that you mentioned where they they were actually very good after going behind, but the they've got away with it because they've been playing against kind of opposition who've been either poor or have started to kind of make mistakes, and that Celtic team aren't just aren't going to do that, and so it felt like that was kind of a long time coming for that team, but the thing. Yeah, the thing that stood out for me is like when Alan McGregor was probably Rangers' best player um, on the day, I think that's not what you, you were expecting. Um, your 41-year-old goalkeeper to be the one who's kind of turning up, the guy who's probably been out of form recently. Um, and that kind of said it all about the lack of any standout performances. They needed big performances from Tavernier, from probably from Goldson, and the two of them were really bad, and they needed Morelos to do more, I think, in the game, full stop. And they needed Tillman to turn up, and can say it was fitness, but he's had a bit of a tendency to me to go missing um, in games, and you didn't see much from him. But then he made all the changes. I think <clears throat> it was immediately after they scored, although they were already lined up. But can't welcome on Raskin, come on! You didn't see them in the game either. They they really did nothing as well. So all round, I just thought it was a it was almost Celtic doing to Rangers what they do to a lot of us, which is. Just keep your arms length, almost like it, there, there did seem to be a bit of a gap in quality, and I didn't see that in the January game at all. Um, so so that would be a bit of a worry. I would say
2: that Rangers seem to have gone backwards a wee bit, I, I mean, but, especially especially off the back of some of the noises that were made in the build up. You know, fashion Fashan'skala's comments and some of the comments about the narrowing of the gap and and it didn't look that way. Um, you know, I think ahead of, especially ahead of an old form game where, where their, it's a bit of a cliche to say forms go, goes out the window because it hasn't, <laughs> you know, in recent years, it really hasn't, but it, you know, strange things can happen in, in these games. Just, and I think a lot of Celtic bloggers have said it, you know, doing your talking on the pitch. And I think that's, that. that's exactly what they did. Um I think it will be interesting to see what happens with Bale when there's pressure, because I think, as uh, as, as you said, Craig, Craig, they've got some good, they've got some good results. They've been good in in spells. It's, you know, you can't criticize them too much because he's pretty much one. He's one he, basic. Every game, yeah. <laughs> but, but there have, there, they have had to pull out the, out the bag a little bit. And even in very comfortable, you know, even in a honeymoon period, he's still, bitting at Chris Sutton for no reason, you know, Chris Sutton's a fucking professional opinion giver. Just like, forget about it. You're the one that gets sucked into his orbit rather than the other way around. Said slightly odd things about the, the Livingston, uh, the, 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 banner that was at Livingston and taking that personally, and now is under pressure because he made significant mistakes in and, He's made significant mistakes tactically, made significant mistakes in his starting 11. And you can say, if you're bringing off your entire midfield after an hour, you know, well done, that's brave for doing it. But you can also maybe suggest that it was a mistake to start them in the first place.
1: And was one of those mistakes taking Alfredo Morelos off with 15 minutes left, having... Craig said he should have done more in the game, but he scored the goal that brought him back into it and... I mean, I know Morelos hasn't played well this season. hasn't really played well for a couple of seasons now. But Antonio Cholak is not a player in form, and he's not was, going to be the guy who's going to fire you back at a cup final.
0: He was fucking rubbish when he came on. Colac. he was everything bounced off him. Like, <clears throat> no, I would never take. I think I would never take a player who scored off unless they're injured or you know, not not when it's someone like Morelos who doesn't. It, it doesn't let bad form affect him like he can be playing badly and he still pops up that 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 did seem weird to me I didn't really expect him to go off um there were there were other guys that you could have have removed and had the two of them on the pitch um yeah just it felt a bit it felt a bit like he was kind of doing it by numbers like it felt like he'd almost decided what his subs were going to be and, and he was going to make them no matter what happened and I think that's always a worry it's like Kind of back to Warburtons, no, no, no Plan B, just do Plan A better. And it felt like it was just like this is what I'm going to do. Um, <clears throat> they were getting, what I said, apart from that wee spell where they obviously got the momentum for the goal and the fans were up and all the rest of it. Um, and I think they had a they had a free kick that was probably a, you, you kind of thought they got a free kick kind of twenty five yards from goal and you thought maybe Taverniers going to step up and do something here in a couple of kind of scrappy half bits and pieces, but. Celtic, despite Joe Hart looking constantly like they was on the verge of a howler, he never actually made one in he court, uh, looks on yeah, the verge of <laughs> I've never seen a player <laughs> do it so much, but yeah, I I thought you I have not been impressed with Beale since he came in, to be honest. And <clears throat> it's easy to say after they get beat, but I think I've been saying it after they won as well. Um I think he won't be long for the job, to be honest. Um I think he's he's too small a man for the job. Um, I, I don't what, was, what I will say, I might well, and just in case we move on, Nick Walsh. I thought had I a really good game as a referee. Hmm. I think um, you couldn't really point to any controversy in the game, um, despite it threatening to boil over a couple of times. So fair, fair play to him. Not not someone I usually like, but he's a good referee. I think
1: we've done the kind of natural thing and drifted <coughs> towards the negative a little bit by talking about Rangers who lost the game. But is there anything else to be said about Celtic that hasn't been said already? <laughs>
2: um, the they are really, really good. I think it's it, it's it's hard. The argument is where this Celtic team ranks in the other teams Celtic have had in the last decade. You know, it, it, is this the best team that they've had in the last decade? You could say that Europe will be the benchmark for that, but you know, Brendan Rodgers teams in Europe <laughs> weren't weren't particularly clever. Um, I think they're they look like a more complete unit. They look like they've got. Uh, they've got more in depth on the bench, and they're they're arguably facing more of a. There are more pretty decent sides in the league than there probably were six or seven years ago, um, who you know might challenge them at, at different points. I, I think, but it's really hard to say. Like it's, it, it, it's hard to say anything more about them because. They play really good football. They are on the front foot they They should have won by i mean if they'd won four one, you would not have there would have been no problem with that at all because they had two like two gilt edge chances at the end three like really good ones, but two in particular where if you just put your boot if you put if it, you know put a boot through it or square it or even slap it, it'll fall at the feet of another. Celtic player, and they'll get a tap in. But you know they were pulled wide or, or hit straight. Al McGregor, who who did admittedly have a a, a really good game. Um, all you know credit where it's due to to Post-Coglu because they were in a right mess when he took over, and almost every signing he's made has has been positive. I, don't, I think there's maybe been a, a couple of missteps, and they're not really fo- you know no one focuses on them because they're vast majority of the, the business has been really really good um, but I don't think there's an awful lot you can say that hasn't already been said they're, they're the best team in the league they're the best team in the country by by quite a way and probably by even more of a distance than I thought on Friday.
0: I think yeah I think with they didn't even play to their best I would have said that would be the thing you would say about Celtic there because Greg Taylor had a particularly poor game in um, Maida as well and Jota wasn't really in the game, and so they're kind of quite important players. Certainly, the two white guys, and if they're not even performing to their best, Kyogo obviously scores two tap-ins. And I thought they they get over the top of how good a player he was on the basis of that game. I found odd, but um, yeah, I've seen him play much better, but he did score twice. But that would be a worry. Yeah, I just it's hard to see teams being able to beat them very often, and that's that's always a concerning situation when. You kind of just expect them to, even when they go to Tynecastle or when they go to these places where sometimes it would slip up, you're just like, no, they're they're going to win here. and I think that probably is the biggest credit you can give to them, grudgingly.
1: Not really a feeling right now that anywhere Dundee United go that they're going to win. And that certainly wasn't the case on Saturday as they were beaten 4-0 by Ross County in the Highlands. Oh, boy which meant the end of Liam Fox as Dundee United manager to, I mean, a little little surprise, I would say, even though Mark Ogren said last week that there was no immediate plans to, to change the boss after that result, after that performance, which I've seen Dundee United fans saying it was actually worse than the 9-0 against Celtic, then it really was inevitable, I guess, in the end. Tom, you watched this one. How bad were United
2: so I've seen a couple. I've seen I've seen a number of uh, absolute disgraceful, <laughs> disgraceful performances this season. Um, a couple, at least four or five, I think, um, from my own side. And this was every bit as bad as as anything. Like first, you know, credit credit where it's due. Ross County were good. They did what they had to do. Jordan White and him and Brophy looked like they're going to be a very, very competent um, forward pairing. But Dundee United were horrendous. Like, they're, they're positioning... But the, the the first... The goal, the like the opening goal, it, it like, I've, I haven't seen anything like that ever happen before. No. Where three players are going for the same ball. Any one of them decides to take any ownership of it. But nobody does... And it's you know it's a it's a tight angle, but it's an empty net. But that was the that was what happened right throughout the game. Dundee United had more right, so Dundee United had more um played more passes, they had more touches of the ball than Ross County. Um and this is not a bad squad. Like it's not a great squad, but there are six players in that squad that you'd think they would get into most sides in the rest of the league most people would want so it's not about that it's about guys like charlie Mulgrave just chucking it and and like i i'm singling him out and it's probably not fair to single him out because the entire team were terrible mm, I,
1: think seems, but, I think it seems quite fair but, to out.
2: well like i i think it's a little bit like you could put a whole squad in the bag and if you hit the bag whoever got it would deserve it that old thing about the the uh I can't remember who it was they said. Franz Beckenbauer. Beckenbauer said it, yeah. Well, it's the same sort of thing. But if you got Charlie Mulgrew, he really did deserve it. Like, so three of, three of the, arguably, arguably three of the goals were were his responsibility. He's, and I don't believe he's done. That's the thing. I don't think he's, I, I think he can still stroll through games if he wants to. He just down tools. And couldn't hear Eamon Brophy Putting pressure on him and was dithering on the ball, like he he had he had more touches than anybody else in the Dundee United team. He played more passes than anyone else in the Dundee United team. And bearing in mind he's playing as a centre back, he um fifty five percent pass completion. Now you'd immediately think it's because he's putting in crosses or he's playing lots of long balls. He didn't put a single cross in all game. But there were there were a couple of long balls, sure, but it was like just simple passes, and there was no urgency about it at, at all when it went wrong. The it was a farce. It was an absolute farce, and I don't, I I don't think it's the manager's fault. I think he's the easiest of many problems to fix, but it's. It's seeping down from the top. It's seeping from the top down. There is a huge problem at Dundee United. There is no way that that squad should be where it is, and at the moment, it's going down. Like that, you know, somebody else may come on and be able to fix it. But I don't think the fundamental problems that have got them there will be fixed, regardless of who comes in, Um, because that you know, there's bad performances. Loads of teams are putting bad performances this season loads of teams have not got the players to put in a particularly good performance and sometimes you just get absolutely outclassed but Ross County are you know they are they are better than they have been at the start of the season but they are not they're not a great side by any stretch and well, they were playing like overlaps they were like there was nutmegs going on there was like you know FIFA street skills going on just absolutely rinsing out the Dundee United uh, the, the entire 11 just taking the piss out of them and they were really lucky it was only four it, it was an absolute farce and you know, no surprise that Fox got fired, but doesn't fix the problems. I
0: think I think that's what you say. It's a, it's a it's a you kinda know, weak manager in a strong dressing room is always going to be a bit of a problem and Fox doesn't have the personality, do, <clears throat> I don't think he has the ability either, but he doesn't have the personality certainly to deal with that dressing room and that I mean, you are a premiership club appointing a guy who failed at Cowden Beef. Like, do you know what I mean? That in itself should be in you guys can get it wrong and can, you know, turn it round and it doesn't make you a bad coach and all the rest of it, but you're done to United, you're one of the biggest clubs in the country. Why the fuck were you appointing Liam Fox in the first place? And um, like just um it just didn't make sense and, and of course that, that dressing room is going to be is a strong dressing room and regardless of I think it's sometimes very easy for people to start putting the blame on senior players. Um certainly it is when they play badly. Um part of our job of a manager is to control these strong personalities and there's been plenty of strong dressing rooms before that the manager has been able to hold them together. And and, I mean, Tam courts seemed to basically manage it last season or or when it it was last season and feels like feels like several managers ago. So I was trying to get the (laughs) timeline right, but um, so in Tam courts is not exactly a guy that would strike you as being like a strong football man type manager. So, a lot does come on to Fox, but that performance, man, it was it was diabolical. And yeah, we can talk about Ross County. I mean, the, the acquisition of Brophy is a, a player who I've always liked. And I was just saying, watching those highlights back, I don't believe that he would have been unattainable for Kelly and he would have been exactly the player we need. And I don't, I mean, I don't know what the situation was there, but um, I would have imagined he would rather have come back to us than had to go to Dingwall or all the rest of it. So it's when you look at things like that, they have recruited extremely well. They've got Danda seems to finally be kind of becoming the player that I think he always promised to be Um because he came in with a very high um, high um expectations, I think, and I hadn't really seen much from him, but he looked like he had a really good game. And yeah, that front pairing, you, you've, you've focused on the first goal, but I think the fourth goal is is the worst in terms of it just being like such a simple ball and Brophy just is basically unchallenged to step out from that kind of inside-right position, just right onto it. And, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic finish, but um, everything about that just screamed out, like, terrible defending and, and, and a, yeah, a lack, of, um, a lack of urgency from a team that are already 3-0 down. I um, see so yeah, there's very little positive to say about United, but I do want to say, County, that they are a team who, when... They sniff weakness to take advantage of it. They did it against Kelly. they won three 0 against us. There are only two wins in the last kind of I don't know if it's even this year, but they beat us, uh, they beat us three 0 at Dingwall and they beat United 4 0. So when they sense a team are um, are they there to, for the taking, they they go and take them. But yeah, as you pointed out, it also suggests they're not actually very good. And so
2: um that should be even more of a worry for United. I think the, the most damning thing I could say about United at the moment is if they chose to not have a manager, the most damning thing about that dressing room at the moment is if they chose to go for the rest of the season without a manager, I would be more confident that they'd pick up more points than if they install someone that the current, you know, the current, um, the current football, a uh, football advisory board to borrow a term um, might suggest because the it's it's you know the lunatics running the asylum really. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are a lot of good players there. They should be absolutely fine. They should be capable of putting together some wins. They you know if they finish in the bottom six, which you'd imagine that's going to happen, they should still you would still fancy them against most teams with the squad that they've got. But nobody's bothering their arse, and they they're about to you know you'd imagine that they were linked with the, the American goalkeeper. Or his name's but but you know you. They were looking at their fourth goalkeeper of the season. That's that's not the sign of a particularly and we're not talking like, you know, there's been injuries or, you know, there's there's been a problem anyway, their first first fourth, first choice goalkeeper of the season potentially. That's not the sign of a robust transfer strategy.
1: Certainly not. Just about to say one little th- more thing about County before we move on, because mark McKay did actually change the system for this game. You wouldn't have realised it mm-hmm. if you only saw the graphic from the weekly highlights show that appears on the BBC. <laughs> they, um, they added that it was a 3-5-2. It wasn't. It was a four-four-two with Danda playing off the left, giving a kind of free roll to drift wherever he wanted. And it does seem like, regardless of whether he's... Because in this game, Marky McKay... I think changed it up because United were going with a four three three. So it's always a bit iffy when you're matching up a back three with a team playing with a front three. Even a team as poor as United, you can you, defenders can get dragged out of positions and can open up gaps and it's, it's never a particularly great matchup, I don't think. So he changed it to the four. But regardless of what system they're playing, they do seem to have kind of found something with with Brofay playing alongside White, yep. They're both looking because not only is Brophy playing well, but John White's playing really well at the moment as well with somebody else alongside them who's a who's a goal threat. But it's the midfield behind them. Danda, he's. I think Joel said this in our in our meeting for a view for the terrace that he's the most creative player in the bottom six. That's probably true. He obviously has some deficiencies to his game, but when you have Noah Kenna and you have Victor Latorre behind them, basically they have to win the ball, and that's it, and provide that platform, then it is starting to seem like quite a nice balance to this Ross County side. And I feel like we've done this all season, where we've got carried away with teams, you know, getting a couple of results and going, oh yeah, I think they'll be fine. But County are starting to look like, with those adjustments in January, that they look the best bet of the teams at the bottom of the table to be safe, I would say. Right, let's move on. Who wants to go first? Because we've got both your teams in action.
2: On you go, Craig?
0: Two teams that were uh, that were struggling at the bottom of the table as well. And...
1: Sorry, we should say, eh, Kamarok against Motherwell. That was the yes, game. It finished, yeah. finished one each. Callum Slattery cancelling out uh, a first-half goal from Kelly with a ridiculous free kick in the last minute. Sorry, Craig, go on.
0: Yeah, no, no. Um... It was a really disappointing afternoon, I would say, because Kelly, for me, des- I wouldn't even say to. Kelly played well in this game, Kelly played well for the first hour of the game, certainly, and I have never in my life seen a team with such a vast gulf in quality for home performances compared to away performances, because I was at Easter Road last week, you know, you heard me on here. And we were abject, absolutely terrible. Um, and then they come out against Motherwell, albeit Motherwell are obviously a, a worse team than Hibs, but um, nonetheless they came out and took control of the game on the front foot for the first hour of that game. Motherwell had a couple of wee breaks, but Kelly took control of that game, and you thought, right, we're doing this again. But I don't. I don't. I can understand sometimes a team being a wee bit worse at ho- away or at home or, you know, the fans behind them and all the rest of it. But it, it genuinely looks like they have so much belief when they're playing at Rugby Park. We've only lost three times at home and two of them have been um, against Rangers and Celtic and, um, and narrowly against Rangers as well. And then you go to away from home and you just can't buy a win and it just doesn't make any sense to me. But Kelly... Um, changed it back up, put Alan Power back in the middle of the park. Alan Power in the first half didn't actually play that well, but I think just having someone with, even though he's, it's weird, he's a 35-year-old or whatever age he is, he's the one that's got legs out of all our midfielders that can get about the park, um, and, and that worked nicely. Mackenzie obviously kind of tucking in from the side, and then you've got Polworth who who... Doesn't work the hardest, but he's a ball player and he had another good game um, as you would expect him to against Motherwell. But that that balance worked more nicely and Armstrong and indeed Joe, Joe Wright was playing full back, so he swapped it round. They had Mayo playing centre back and Wright playing right back, or kind of half and half between right back and right centre back, um, as it, as it's been quite a lot. But they were basically just pushing right high up the park to win balls in the air, and it was a really successful tactic. James for long for Motherwell had an absolute stinker of a performance um was getting beat in the air a lot, but also constantly letting people in behind him. Um, but just the amount of chances in the first 15 minutes, even before we scored, where we were flashing balls across the box from that area, and it was just the wrong choice or the wrong ball, and that's been a constant theme all season. Finally get the goal, um, which was obviously a, a shambles from, from Motherwell's point of view. First, uh, Kelly doesn't hold a ball that's straight at him, and then Van Veen's dithering inside his own six-yard box and eventually clears it against someone. Um, and, and yeah Robinson the the player, the absolute player you would want on, on there, the player who is the most likely to score weird goals um, Scott Robinson did it again um, a guy who if, if Scott Robinson can stay fit and fit enough to start every game between now and the end of the season I'll be a lot more confident because he, he's such a difference maker he's just an absolute pest to, to opposing teams and when he came on against Hibs he was much better he made made a difference and, and the same again with this game when he, when he started it but then Kelly just couldn't, we had some half chances, but we couldn't quite seize the advantage because Dodge had a header that was kind of, he should have done a wee bit better with, but it was straight at Kelly. Kelly saved it well. And then the big moment I would say was Dodge got played through on goal. It was a lovely move because Kelly were knocking the ball about really nicely. I thought like in spells, it was long ball to start the moves and then once it came down that they were knocking it about. And, and I think that's a kind of theme with McKinnis. The first, the first ball from the goalkeeper is safe to get up the park and then once you've got a bit of control of the ball that's when you see a bit more about it but um robinson i think was played a lovely reverse ball and dodge got put through and it was maybe about 35 yards from goal and he managed to get himself do everything right make the run time the run well get goal side of his opponent but then he was like so slow that all he was able to do really was try and cut across the defender and basically either either prevent the defender from challenging him or or probably even preferably get the defender to challenge him and get the red card, but neither happened, and that was probably the, the turning point in the sense that Motherwell, I think, woke up at that point. Um, Kettlewell made, made th- three changes, I think, a triple sub, um, I think it was, two. they certainly made three changes, I can't remember if they all at the same time. They improved, and Kelly just didn't have the, num- the, the options on the bench to really change things, even though it was kind of much needed. But I still thought we were going to see the game out. Sam Walker had made a few a few saves. He's really coming on to a game at the moment, Walker, and none of the saves up until the very last one were saves that I wouldn't expect him to make. But Motherwell were obviously piling on the pressure and definitely improved at that point. And then obviously they, they get that free kick and um, and it's a fantastic goal. There's no no doubt about that. And Motherwell will say because of the chances they they had um, that they probably could say they deserved a point, but I just thought from from the point of view of how much control Kelly had in the game in that first hour, it, it was a blow not to convert that. And I think that would have made such a big difference because then we're six points ahead of United, we're still ahead of County and will are, are right back in. It, it was a pretty disappointing one um, from from that point of view.
1: Tom, do you have anything to add on this? Or, or, or about Kelly or, or Motherwell in general? Motherwell, that's now three games undefeated under Stuart Kevill. This was his first match in charge on a permanent basis. He did think for, you oh, know, just about 90 minutes. So, hmm, maybe made, maybe made an error Maybe jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, but uh, Calum Slattery did manage to, to haul it back. But it's not... fair, uh, uh, Craig does make the point that Kelly are a completely different side at home and but Motherwell they played the same team that played against Harps and it wasn't the same type of performance
2: I mean I think unfortunately and this is quite a, a sad state of affairs but there is almost a case to be made for strategically firing your manager at the right point for the new manager bounce that you get immediately at, you know at, at, with certain squads where the issue is just they need a kick up the arse then it, I I don't I don't by any stretch think Motherwell are safe yet. I think they're they got a new they they got a new manager bounce. They probably picked up a, a bit of the luck they were due in some of the previous what thirteen or whatever beforehand. That uh, Hamill wasn't getting anything from, but I think it's a sign of like how how far they've to go just yet that they're they're pretty pleased with the they be pretty pleased with the results. Fair enough, you know, eight points from well, no, sorry, seven points from the last possible nine. Um moving away from the bottom, and it does and a and a cushion at this point in the season when it doesn't look like too many of the sides at the bottom are going to be able to put together any any kind of run. Um but yeah no early days early days for Kettlewell I don't think he's got an awful lot to play with in terms of personnel to Changed systems or do anything drastically different, but he does seem to already have people doing their jobs and battling for things, and just getting a little bit more from from uh, from what he's got. And I think
0: that's the thing for Kelly, because you've talked, we talked about Dundee United chucking, you know, in the, the players down in tools, and you talked about Muller will need a reaction. I I don't think any of that applies to Kelly. I think the the. The Players are trying their very best, and I think it's just a, a real lack of uh, quality that you're seeing that's been the problem, as much as anything. And it's kind of typified by Deutsch because I thought Deutsch for the first 45 minutes and hour of that game was um, the, by far the best i have seen him play in terms of he wins every I did last week, he wins literally everything in the air, and he's an intelligent forward. It's just that he can't score anymore and his body can't keep up. And it's so frustrating because you can understand what a good partnership Doidge and Robinson could really be. But both of them are just lacking that wee bit of pace. And it's um, it's all of that. Kelly, I've got a lot of three-quarter players, I think. And it's we just need all of those three-quarters to round up to a one in a, enough games, I think is basically what I'm looking for. But if they don't, then, then there's bother.
1: Right, let's go from there up to the northeast, where Aberdeen recorded a 1-0 victory over Livingston with Bojan Majofsky grabbing the only goal of the game. Tom, your side are you know, not great but they're functioning as a football team once again under Barry Robson, so that's got to be pleasing at least.
2: Yeah, I think the, the, the most pleasing thing about it was it was controlled and it's been a long time since I mean, I, I can't even pick out the last time there was a controlled performance there's been you know there's been good performances they've blew livy away last time 5-0 at at butaudry but that was like score and then they come forward and score again and you know there there was no like game management in it whereas this was this was disciplined there was a lot more defensive cohesion than there's been at any point the season um there was a lot more from Shinny and Ramadani in both covering their defense and uh, and starting attacks. There was a lot more there was it's the first time in a while I think I've thought, you know what, Ross McCrory's future might actually be at right back. Um he if he could if he could just practice either shooting or squaring the ball one or other, then you know, he would have he he, he would have scored or set up a goal <laughs> it, it, um he i think he had more shots on goal than anyone else in the um on the park it so yeah it was it was a bit more controlled it was a bit more disciplined um it took a mistake of sorts for the goal to for for muovski um, to get the goal but you know still a very tight angle really really good finish um and there were signs of, you know, Duke started doing Duke things and and uh, showing off, um, and and Ryan Duncan was really good, and I think there's been a lot of um, a, a lot of expectation or hope and expectation that he will start to get be in and around the first team um, a little bit more. Interesting that Barry Robson switched from his kind of... It looked like he he had a favoured back three, the sort of 3-5-2 with the wing-backs. He started that in every match that he'd uh, taken charge of, but went to the 4-3-3. Three, three. It was a lot more fluid. you did get a lot more out of um, out of the forward players in particular, and, and McCrory. Um, interesting to see what he does when Liam Scales comes back um, at the weekend and see if he goes in at left-back or if he goes back to the back, to the back three. I think it you know back in back in the top six, um it's it, it, Robson was told to steady the ship, he steadied the ship. Um, it's not you know the the season's not completely unsalvageable from whatever that means. Um given nobody else between, well, given not many other, nobody else other than Rangers and Celtic at the moment seem to be particularly consistent. There's, you know, there's a, at least the hope that there's a chance to, to put some results together and challenge for the European spots. Um, and, but I think that that's off the back of that, that the, the hope for that and the kind of realistic hope from that is defensively much, much, much better. And, um, but overall i think the the main thing is barry robson is now the the ban the the kind of the height to clear for whoever the next manager is like he's done he's he's done a very pretty good job he talks well he's the, the players have said uh, that his training's good and they've all kind of bought into the way he's doing things. You always get
1: that, though. You always but, get that. Anytime, but, but, anytime, anytime well, there's a change of mind, once, once, oh, the training's really good. You know? But, oh, but like, he genuinely, time, it, it, it genuinely does seem to be, it genuinely does seem to be,
2: it genuinely worst. does seem to be, though. He's was like it, picked
1: it, up and training <laughs> shite.
2: I mean, like, I can well imagine he's fucking terrifying and I wouldn't want to cross him on the training pitch, but like, genuinely, it does look like. The defense knows what they're doing. The midfield knows what they need to do when the ball's, you know, when there's transitions and things. They they know roughly what positions they should be taking up at different times. People say it's the basics, but it, it it's the reason that you you know win or lose football games. Um, and we've had a number of them. Um, you know, you can, don't need to look too far not just Aberdeen but any club um, in the division to see that there's there's plenty of people that can't get their teams to do that at the moment so I mean whether or not it it puts his hat properly in the ring for the the job full time I don't know he was almost certainly going to get this weekend as well Um, you know if he can fix the away form then phenomenal give him it but easier said than done.
1: Yeah you've also not scored at Tannadice in four attempts Well what better time to fix it (laughs)
0: Livingston must be a wee bit worried at the moment like uh, their forms dropped off a cliff obviously they, they, um,
1: so the Speaking of the struggle to score goals
0: The Cup one was a big blow for them because I think the, the, the Cup had kind of opened up for them a wee bit and, and they were a team who looked capable there and, and obviously completely capitulated at home to Inverness and then um, yeah, the, the league form is to the point where they looked pretty bang, bang certain to be in the top six and now they looked like they were chance for Europe. I mean, they yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they
2: looked like a pretty good bet for fourth, the way they were going. Up until last weekend, I still thought
1: they would have finished fourth. But yeah. not not now. Yeah, they're,
0: they're starting to fall away, and I don't. I don't think. It, I, I think it would be daft to react too quickly to that. I don't think they need to. Um, you know, they are a squad of players who are um, put together on a fairly limited budget, and sometimes they they just run out of. Um, Ideas a wee bit, and they just need to be able to play their way through it. And it's not like they're going to get relegated, and they probably will still finish in the top six. But they obviously have to try and stop the slide. there's only six six games left until the split, I think. So they, they really want to um make sure that they you know win win three of those and make sure that they get in there because they, they had they they obviously missed out in quite um disappointing circumstances last season.
1: It's interesting. There was quite there was a wee bit of criticism. Of Martindale's team selection for this one. He went with quite an attacking lineup. I know that Aberdeen aren't in great shakes this season, and, and especially in 2023, but it was quite bold and it certainly didn't work. What I've read about it in particular, Joel Newbley was on the, the left of the front three, as he has been quite often at points for Livy throughout his, his Livingston career, but he ended up having to basically run back more than you would want Joel Newbley to do because Ross McCrory is always happy to bomb forward. And it just meant there was, they just struggled to give themselves a platform to play in, in the match. They they improved in the second half. He made the change at half time. He changed the system. He brought on Morgan Boyles for, for Stephen Bradley and, and went to a three at the back and put Newbley up front. And they did get a bit more joy in the second period without really doing too much. But there was, there was other things as well, like, starting Sean Kelly. Sean Kelly's been playing quite a lot in center midfield over Jason Holt, but this was more of a game for Jason Holt. And it was just interesting to read that, that that Martindale kind of got this one quite fairly wrong for the start. And also it didn't help as well that Nicky Devlin, who Stephen Bradley is a, a, a winger who only ever charges inside. He doesn't go outside. He, he always looks to go inside. So with him going inside, you'd need Nicky Devlin to go in the overlap and to, to offer that, that out ball to, to keep that width as well. Uh, but Devlin was up against Duke, so he was just pinned back for, for a load of the game as well. So, yeah, Levinson's tactics did not work in this one. Somebody whose tactics did work, and he's been certainly many times this season, has been criticised for, for his tactics, is St. Johnston boss Callum Davidson, who I was very impressed that after Dan Phillips was sent off, I think we can agree for a... A deserved red card. I think it was a little unlucky, but he was, you know, he was careless and he certainly was putting his opponent's safety in danger and it was a bit of a reckless force. Uh, sorry, excessive force, reckless force. Excessive force. So, yeah, I think the red card was deserved there. But Davidson, instead, what I would have assumed he would do, which is, you know, just put one up front and have them isolated a lot by themselves because, well, he's done that quite often. It's Johnson manager, when he's got eleven lot of men on the park. Instead, he kept two forwards on, and I think St. Johnson benefited for that, not only in just in terms of their play, but then he made the, the double change, taking both forwards off, put two forwards on, and Theo Bear and Zach Rudden, who came on for Nicky Clark and Stevie May, and Zach Ruddon got the goal. Although, Zod- Rudden was a bit... He then blotted his copybook, so he did very well. He won the free kick and the build-up to the goal, scored the goal with an excellent header, but he was the one marking or failing to mark Alex Gogich for the Submarine Equaliser. So the duality of man there <laughs> from Zach Rodham. He's also the centre forward. I think you don't bring him on to mark people.
0: So, um, yeah, I I think I agree with you on the red card. It was unfortunate. I didn't mean it, but then you watch that video and it's kind of stomach-turning when you see, you know, you imagine what could
2: happen to Flynn, Flynn's leg. But um, they It's were never a, bit, a red card if you were bored of the 70s. Anyone older than me would think, nah, get on with it. But it's clearly a red card because, you know, it could be it was nasty, but not intentionally nasty, but nasty nonetheless.
0: the The thing for me with Ruddon is he's the perfect striker to have when you're down to ten men because he is a runner and he like it's just an absolutely <laughs> Curtis Main would have been the same at the other end and he did he did that um against Coman when they, when they went down to ten but um. You just have these guys who will just never give you a minute's peace and um and it was very weird a very weird goal I would have to say um it, it wasn't I knew he scored and I saw that ball coming off his head and I thought hmm that doesn't look like it's going to go in and even when it hit the the kind of frame of the goal I'm like this this isn't the goal then uh and and then it was um but yeah they'll be they'll be really disappointed because that I mean we said last week they were safe but that would have triple walk them is safe um, if, if they just won that game and then they might even have had a wee sniff of being able to catch we've we'll talked about Livingston coming backwards but um, it probably puts them in that position of not having much to play for for the rest of the season
1: I was impressed by St Johnson less impressed by St Moran, but they are just so bad away from home like the only victory they've had away from home in like the last three or four months is away at Aberdeen and you know barely counts
2: well, our home record's good, but Graham Shinny was no. Uh, but um, we're down at ten men after nine minutes. So there's a caveat in that one.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. It's weird that their away form is so bad because the way that they set up, like they don't want the ball. They don't want the ball. They they like to get runners up to support a counter attack. They go direct. It's kind of like that's like away from home football, and they do very well. But they don't do very well at home. But they do well at home. It's strange. It's really strange that they're,
2: um, it's getting into the tis, tis the season for Saint Mirren to find a way of failing to make the top six when all the cards lay. You know, all the cards have fallen in, in a way that it should be easy. But they somehow managed to. What's the opposite of the Great Escape? Like burrowing your way into the prison. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Saint Mirren said to do.
1: I was impressed by Thierry Small. On the on the left of the Saint Mirren, two, two names that shouldn't go together. No, can we just say that <laughs> three five two? He was very direct, getting forwards, like trying to make stuff happen. I thought Curtis Main played all right as well. There was just yeah, Mirren as well. Like I mean, I know that the red card was right before half time. but also like this, it took them about ten minutes or so at the start of the second half to kind of wake up to the fact that they had a man advantage and to really start to dominate Saint Johnson. They eventually did do that. Then, as I said, Davidson does well, makes the, the double change, brought them into a free kick and then gets the goal. And Samirn eventually, eventually get their point. But yeah, not a lot to be impressed by Samirn in this one. So Johnson more so. I thought Stevie May, before he tired in the second half, I thought he was very good in the first half. Popping up everywhere, just getting involved constantly. Same with Melko Halberg, who I was quite impressed with in this one. His, yeah, again, just tendency to, to find the areas in the attacking third where He's useful as an extra body to link play to create overloads. To just be there to pick up second balls. So both of them played, yeah, pretty well for for St. Johnson. Who I think looked. I mean, they weren't blowing someone away or anything. They weren't. I wouldn't say completely dominating, but they were definitely the better side before the red card. Adam Montgomery as well. I think had a, a decent match, getting up and down the flank again before the red card because then afterwards he was pretty much just reverted to having to only defend but there was yeah, there was a lot of positives for St. Johnson who after it's funny how things change because now I look at that St. Johnson team and I'm going not bad whereas earlier in the season I was saying how the hell are they winning games this team is absolutely shocking but David has managed to make a lot of these guys in, in like decent form amazing I, mean, I know in terms of his goal record it's not still not that great but May plays well pretty much every game now. Nicky Clark's been one of the signings of the season. Dan Phillips has really emerged as a, I know he got off and this one, but he's really emerged as an important player. St. Johnson, and they've also seen we've got a really good blend with him and Cameron McPherson, who again, somebody like early in the campaign, you're thinking right because I really believed in McPherson. I thought McPherson was a decent player when he was at St Murren. but it, it kind of. There's only so much you can look at somebody go, Well, you've got quite a lot of things. I like him in a fielder, but you have never seen me actually play well. And he was kind of one of those ones. So I was starting to think, Oh, maybe he's like, you know, maybe he's just a championship player, but he's been in good form. Liam Gordon, starting to look back to the Liam Gordon that he, he was in the, not last season, but the season before. So there is a lot now about this in Johnson's side. We are kind of looking at it and going, Yeah, not as bad as I thought earlier in the campaign. Well done. Well done. You're not as shit as I thought to judge. Glowing praise. Pat yourself on the back.
0: Is that what we were looking for at the start of the season I suspect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right guys I think that'll do us. Thank you very much Tom. Thanks very much. Thank you very much Craig. Thanks very much. And thank you to everybody for listening. We are now going to record a Patreon where we're going to look at the leading contenders for the vacant Dundee United job with Craig Levine the headliner in that pack. Join us in that. That's Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. That'll be in the £2 per month tier. And I think that'll do us. So until next time, goodbye. And I hope you enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network.